Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor with Asante Capital Management and co-founder of Sauna Family Office. Today, we have with us Cecilia Manella, therapist with Eterna Counseling located in Abbotsford, BC. Cecilia's area of specialties are vast, but their personal development and coaching, leadership coaching, clinical supervision, what I really like, entrepreneur and business mindset coaching. She also takes care of trauma, both current and historical, life transitions, gender therapy, body imaging and eating disorders, relation conflict, depression, anxiety, grief, and loss, personal growth, marriage, and family. So I'm so excited to have Cecilia on as she came highly recommended and she understands and works with entrepreneurs. As I've said in leading up to this podcast, mental health seems to have finally be discussed on a more open level without as much stigma and judgment as it once carried. But as with so many things, we still have a long ways to go. So today I wanted to offer a simple, non-threatening way to learn about few of the most prevalent myths surrounding mental health. So let's jump right into it. Welcome, Cecilia, and thank you so much for joining us. What would be the first of your mental health myths that you would like to dispel? Perfect. Thanks for having me, John. Um, the first thing I want to talk about would be that stress isn't a factor in our lives, that somehow we're really used to the stress that we've been under for the last almost two and a half years. So I think most of us underestimate the impact of what the last few years have been and tend to minimize it quite easily. Yeah, that's, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's impacted people in a lot of different ways, hasn't it? And it has. Uh, yeah, and the, and the great thing about it is that humans are super, we're super adaptable, right? Like that's what's allowed us to survive as a species for millions of years and, and been on the planet. Um, and we're really, really good at it. Like we're built for it, we're meant to do it, our brains do it, our bodies do it. Um, and that is the, the magical thing of humans. The problem is that we're not meant to adapt for extended periods of time with this kind of stress. We're supposed to do it in really short bursts and then go back to what we call typical or normal or a homeostasis. But maintaining this level of stress over long periods of time is not what we're supposed to do. So what happens is that our body and our mind naturally will give away um, not like good functioning in order to maintain this high level of performance. Um, and we sacrifice wellness in difficult times and it, the impact impacts our sleep. It impacts our mood, our ability to think and problem solve and be creative, um, patience. So why people are really angry out there in the world. If you notice in the grocery store, there's not a lot of patience anymore. Um, and even our ability to be compassionate and love is actually really impacted by stress. And so what I'm seeing in my practice, and I'm sure lots of people seeing in counseling world is relationships and families breaking apart um, because our inability to connect in times of stress, which is really problematic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and so one of the things that uh, I really saw and both in our workspace, but uh, also with our clients is that this work from home turned it into, you know, it sounds lovely, mm -hmm. but there was no disconnect from work for people. Mm -hmm. It was, they were turned on all the time. Right. Well, most of us have like this, the separation, we have rituals we don't even know we have between home and work and work and home. 
And when you get rid of those rituals that we've ingrained, it's something as simple as having a, a small commute, right? Listening to music or listening to a podcast or listening to an audiobook or something that we have that's really ritualistic that has helped us transition from work to home. And when we're working from home, it's literally opening the door to your office. If you have an office, some people don't even have an office and they're working in the kitchen table with like their kids running around and everything's happening and we're doing the best that we can, but we haven't really um, transitioned into what this actually looks like long-term, which is really, really difficult. And the pressure that people are under is unbelievable. And we like to minimize things by our nature. We minimize things. So we're not recognizing the compounded impact so you know money compounds and so does stress yeah yeah mm -hmm. okay and and so is there anything uh specific in that sector to i mean i know this affects everybody but mm -hmm. to uh, uh business owners in particular have you mm -hmm. noticed uh, a specific area in that stress that they that you've uh, found with them for sure i think what's beautiful and also difficult for people who are business owners and entrepreneurs it's like they're it's like a superpower and it's also you know their kryptonite in so many ways is this ability to hustle really hard so work really hard and also to pivot and change really quickly so it's a superpower because you know that's why you go into business because you have this ability to be creative and 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 see what's needed in business growth but it's also um a detriment because most entrepreneurs don't know how to turn it off. Right. And so prior to the pandemic, I think there was natural um, ways that we turn this off is like we have family life or we have social gatherings or there's holidays that we're, we're told we have to attend, whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. So there's almost this built-in um, uh, kind of protective factor around people who are entrepreneurs to participate in other things. So when the pandemic happened and all those other factors and the cushions around us really went away, it just opened us the ability to just work all the time because there was no family demands or social demands because our circles were really small and we were just with the people in our house. So you could literally work all day long. And there's lots of um, fear that came with it. Um, a lot of the media messages, especially for business owners, was the pivot. That word pivot just drives yeah. me insane now um, mm -hmm. because that's all that was like being told to us was just the pivot. And somehow we're supposed to magically know these things. It keeps people up at night. Um, and so entrepreneurs haven't shut it off. So we're kind of in this, this you know, stabilization space right now. We're like, oh, okay, it's not so much of a crisis anymore. Um, we can kind of like maybe coast in this space. Of things being a little bit more stable and most business owners haven't turned it off and they're yeah. still working overworking overcompensating and burning themselves out so i see um lots of so consequences of burnout are um inability to problem solve inability to be creative being really really short and easily uh, triggered into anger or frustration um, or aggression, especially with like maybe your teams or employees or uh, family members, people who are closest to you, um, inability to sleep. So your brain just can't shut off. It's just constantly thinking, thinking, thinking. It's a state of constant anxiety. There's also a loss of joy that comes with burnout where people um, share that they feel flat, almost like dull and nothing brings them joy anymore. So they've lost their drive and their passion for their business to begin with, which is really, really sad and heartbreaking. 
Um, so I think that entrepreneurs are in overdrive and they haven't spent very much time or dedicated time to turning that switch off a little bit for fear of what's coming next. Yeah. And so, you know, to be clear, this isn't everybody, but no. I think the message really is, is that it's a lot of people and, mm -hmm. and it's not something that you're alone uh, in. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so uh, I think the, the, the message here today is going to be reach out for help. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, one of the things that uh, I've, and, and this again applies to more than just business owners, but um, often, and I, I, maybe I'm vilifying or targeting media, but they're, they're doing what they're, they're supposed to be doing. Absolutely. But it has created this 24 hour news cycle about mm -hmm. uh, how many cases, what's coming mm -hmm. next. And so to your point, people are not turning off. They're constantly mm -hmm. connected. Um, I actually relate it back to uh, one of the, the, uh, most prevalent times that I saw this was 9-11 when people mm -hmm. ran their TVs almost 24 hours a day. They, Absolutely. When, when they got up in the morning, it was on. They they were constantly being reminded in the news feed of, of all this bad news. Mm -hmm. um, and that's got to have an effect on people's psyche if that's all the input that they're taking. It does because what it, like we are... Fear is this really fascinating emotion. So, because it is part of our survival. So we need fear as humans in order to survive. It's, it's, the, it's the instinct that, you know, we survive, you know, saber tooth tigers back in the day. Um, so it's a very, it's a protective emotion and it's wonderful and we need it. And we, we don't need to be fearless. We just need to learn how to work with it. The, the media knows, and I don't mean media just like just the news cycles, but people who produce media know how the brain works. They hire the smartest people on the planet to make sure that you stay watching as long as possible. So they've they know how to hack your brain, so to speak, around fear. And so they know how to present information on purpose to get you to continue to engage in it. 9-11 is a really great example because it was just so devastating. The difference is, is that we didn't have handheld devices. <laughs> like we do today. So we had to go to a TV to turn it on and then you turned it off and went to work. Maybe you were able to stream it on your computer back then, or maybe you had a TV at work, but not everyone had the smartphones that we have today. So now you're walking around with this device that allows you to be connected 24 seven and to be constantly engaged in this. And when you watch things are fearful, your brain doesn't, can't tell the difference between like reality, what's happening today in my everyday life versus an image it's seeing. Like our brain isn't that smart because it's running so quickly. So it takes it in, it takes it in and it creates a fear response in your body. And so we have this fear response, but nothing may be happening in that moment. You could be in your home making breakfast or being safe, but you're having the fear response. And so we're constantly engaged in this super hyper arousal around fear, which has major health consequences. And even if we think we're smart enough, I know a lot of people think like, oh, I'm smarter than that. Um, it doesn't affect me that way. I'm telling you, we are not. <laughs> we are not smarter than the smartest neuroscientists in the world that get hired by I, Apple and Samsung to learn how to stay on your devices the longest. We're just not smarter than those people. So we need to understand that our constant engagement in that has a severe 
impact not only just our mental health, but our physical health, because our body carries that stress. And it, this is why we have, you know, people have heart attacks and they have, you know, back pain or injuries or autoimmune diseases. These are all consequences of compounded stress. Um, and we are under a ton of stress. And also when we're impact taking all these images in, if you have past trauma, which lots of us do, um, current trauma triggers past trauma. So with 9-11, what we saw a lot of was, you know, uh, people who had been through, who are maybe refugees in this country were triggered around their own experiences of war. Um, when you have any kind of trauma, whether it's interpersonal abuse. So if you grew up in a family where there was a lot of, lot of abuse, 9-11 triggered a lot of that old stuff because fear triggers fear. So if you ever had experience of feeling out of control and powerless, which is a consequence of trauma, new stuff will trigger the old stuff. And then it creates our fear response gets super, super high because of it. So what we see in counseling is a lot of people who are like, I don't understand why all of a sudden now I'm having dreams about this incident that happened when I was five it has nothing to do with what's happening today. What doesn't really have anything specifically to do it, but something current will always trigger something in the past. And that really confuses a lot of people. Yeah. So depending on our past and our history, current stuff actually will trigger past stuff. Fascinating. So mm -hmm. what uh, then I'll go for if, if, if I put on, uh, obviously, when, I, when I'm talking to clients, we're talking about portfolios. Now is a great example. Uh, mm -hmm. Markets have uh, taken a beating. And mm -hmm. uh, my advice is uh, very much like uh, um, what, what we talk about when uh, about TV and the news cycle is uh, like, shut it off, turn it off. Don't, mm -hmm. don't watch news. Uh, don't, uh, and the same thing, don't keep looking at uh, reports. Mm -hmm. um, we've been through this before, we'll get through it. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, and, and on, on our side for investments, we're here to take care of you. It's, it's all handled. Right. Um, but it is with, with news cycle, mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's my simplistic, and I know that you get it from all sorts of different sources, but mm -hmm. my simplistic is, there's really not nothing worthwhile watching on the news. It's right. it's all there to try and stimulate you and captivate you and uh, and keep you uh, engaged, keep you glued to it. Yes, yeah. Because we forget that when we feel fear, we want comfort, right? So whenever we feel fear or feel powerless or helpless, what we, what we seek naturally is comfort. So if we think about our ancestors we saw comfort within our tribes and our community and our connection. And that's what brings kind of this calmness inside of us. Um, but in current, we're living in a time we've never lived before. Like we've never been this like techie and, and, and connected, but yet so disconnected. It's this kind of weird place that we're living in right now. So what we do is we want to feel comfort. And what we do for comfort now is we will want to numb. And we numb through things like shopping, gambling, drinking, drugging, all the things that give us some quick fix of some sort. I mean, there's a reason why Amazon is like boomed over the pandemic. It's because everyone was shopping, not because we were looking for like our, our essentials. Um, maybe some essentials were in those shopping bags for sure, but a lot of it was not essentials. It was like, what is going to give me that dopamine hit? What's going to give me that hit where I'm going to feel good for a moment? And it was exciting to get a package because there was nothing exciting happening in your life. So then we want more of it. We want more of it. And that's, and that's what we want around comfort is this idea of like getting a hit. 
So they keep us watching the, the fear stuff in order to buy more things. Interesting. Yeah. That's, mm. uh, as you said that you reminded me, I was listening to an Amazon commercial on the radio on the way in today. So, mm -hmm. and that's, yeah, that's exactly what is playing towards. Mm -hmm. Um, so what, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, move on to your second one. What would be sure. your second myth? Uh, the second myth I have around is that we assume it should be easy. Okay. That, that all we have to do is find balance. And now like finding balance, that whole idea of balance is all over social media too. It's like, all you have to do is find balance. And that somehow the more we put on our plates, the, the only problem is, is that we just need to balance all these things, all these pieces. But in reality, our plate is only so large and we can only put so much on it. And we're not talking about what is on our plate and does that align with who we are and what we want for our lives we're just adding more on it and adding more on it and with access to the information we have you know even for entrepreneurs especially the messaging out there for business owners and entrepreneurs is that there's a secret and when you can discover the secret then it's going to be easy so this whole idea of passive income, um, you know, all the, the, the jets and all the fancy cars and all these, that's the images that we're given around that you just need to find a way to balance all the things and then you're going to hit the jackpot somehow. Um, and it, it's a lie. It, it's not, it's not true. There is no secret to discover around balance. It's the secret is, is what is on your plate and does it align with who you are and what you want for yourself? And it's more about finding harmony between all these pieces versus balancing all the things. Because then if we're looking for balance, people just, just put more and more and more and more on their plate. And it's impossible to take on more and more and more and more without a breaking point. And the breaking point usually is really serious for people. They have like a, a breakdown and they don't function and it's really, really problematic. So what I'm doing a lot with people is asking them, you know, how do these pieces that you have on your plate, how do they fit together? And do they fit together anymore? And if they don't, what needs to come off your plate so that you can breathe and have some space and some time? And, and, and it's not about finding the secret of it being easy. If it's not easy, it means it's not working. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. oh, I completely relate to what you're saying. And uh, we, we really do need to make sure we've got a finite amount of time. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's been said before, but I think it's really uh, a, a, a good piece of advice to remember. And that is the most valuable thing we have in life is time. Absolutely. Uh, so use it, use it wisely and use it for what, uh, um, what makes you better, what right. energizes you, uh, not, uh, not what brings you down. So. Absolutely. It's the, when we put too much on our plate and the things that are on there, maybe were meant to originally be temporary and we keep them there as permanent and it doesn't line up with who we are. It creates this inner friction between what we're doing and who we are. So whether that's our values, um, our dreams, our desires, our wants, if, if what we have on our plate doesn't line up with that, it creates this friction inside of us. And the friction leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. It leads to sleeplessness, sleep issues. Um, it leads to relationship breakdowns because we're not meant to live with this inner friction for really long periods of time. We can do it again. We can adapt and do it for short periods of time, but not for years. And so I really encourage people to take like an inventory, but what's on their plate to begin with, like how big is your plate and what's on it? 
And is everything that's on there, does that align with you? And if it doesn't, maybe take it off for a moment and just see how that works when you start to take some stuff off your plate. There's so much fear, again, of especially like business owners, a lot of people are experiencing, if I let this go, then what happens? If I let this go, then everything's going to fall apart. And I get it. Like there's so many businesses that have closed, people that have not like been able, like didn't survive the pandemic. They were really, their businesses like were hit really hard. Um, and it's tragic and it's sad. And we're all living with that fear of like, I don't want that to be mine. I don't want that to be my business that folds. Um, because somehow we've internalized it as failure. Like somehow, like, so someone else survived and I didn't survive that somehow it's a personal failure when some industries were just decimated with the pandemic yeah. and it's not personal failure. It's, it's market failure. It's, it's just what happened. Right. And that's a really hard thing for people to contend with. So they just want to throw more and more on their plate thinking it's going to make them more successful when in fact, you're right. Like we only have so much time. It's finite. No one gets an extra hour a day, no matter how hard you try. So we've got to do the best that we can and staying well is actually really important. So there is no secret to it. It's about taking some stuff off your plate because we're all just human. Yeah. And even, even if you had those extra hours, what would you do? You'd only fill it up with more of this stuff that is throwing you out of balance. Right. So right. no uh, one's going to fill it up with more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's get it right. Let's put the right stuff on the plate. Great. Absolutely. Uh, great topic. Um, so what, what would be number three? My last one would be that we, that seeking help somehow, somehow is a sign of weakness, that somehow we should figure it out by ourselves, you know, um, that, you know, our great grandparents figured it out. They survived the depression. They did fine. They didn't really need help. You know, I hear that quite often, like somehow it's a personal failure that I need to seek out help. And the example I typically use is like, I'm not a car person. Um, when my car gets fixed, I just take it to the people who know how to fix it. I don't even pretend to know what I'm talking about. It's just, I go to the experts, let them figure out, they tell me what's going on. I do what they tell me to do. And I maintain my vehicle to make sure that it doesn't fall apart. And mental health is very, very similar in the sense of there is no shame or weakness in asking for some help because we are living in a time we've never lived before. So we can talk about our great grandparents surviving the depression, but today's not the same. It's just not the same. We're not living in the same way. We're not connected to community in the same way. Our population size is really different. Our access to information is incredibly different. Um, the impact of social media um, has huge impact on how we feel about what is weakness and how we access help. And I think that asking for help isn't weakness. It's no different than someone coming to you for financial advice. Doesn't make them weak. There's no, there's, we don't have this idea they should just know how to figure it out. But in mental health, there's this weird stigma and shame around asking for help means that somehow they're weak and they haven't figured it out. And that's just not true. Yeah, it can be the quickest way to get well is asking for help. Yep. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad that was your, uh, your last point, because one of my uh, questions that in my mind is that I, I'd said in my opening that uh, um, the uh, mental health, they were at least talking about it more now. We're, mm -hmm. we're a long ways from uh, it being at the right level of openness, but mm -hmm. at least we're talking about it now. But there still is that stigma about asking for help. And so um, maybe give people a sense of what what goes on in therapy and mm -hmm. how, how do you find 
the, and I'm going to put it this way. How do you find the right therapist for your question? Yeah. yeah. So first of all, like what is therapy? Um, therapy at its, it's really, it can be a complex field for sure. And there are, people have different approaches and that's fine. And that's what makes it confusing for the consumer. Let's say someone who look looking for help. It can be really confusing because people have different approaches and different trainings. Essentially what therapy is, is never really meant to give you the answers. So that's one of the myths around like, I'm going to therapy. I don't need someone to tell me what to do. That's what I hear a lot. I don't need to. So no one's telling you what to do. Therapy isn't about someone telling you what to do. It is about having someone outside of your life who isn't in the midst of the conflict or isn't a family member that doesn't have history with you, that has the ability to ask you some questions that help you reflect on what's happening in your life. Also, it's a, a therapy is an opportunity for someone to share what they know about um, mental health and what may work for other people or different approaches. It's just the knowledge that we have the ability to share some knowledge with you. The third thing is what we do is as an outsider, we have the ability to see things very different because we're sitting on the outside. When we're on the inside of a problem, it's like having your face up against a wall and all you see is the wall and all you can see is the color of that wall. Therapy, a therapist is a person who sits outside of that, who can see the entire structure of all the things and helps you step away from the wall to see other opportunities. Maybe there's a door down there. Maybe there's a window right there, but you're just not seeing it. And it's a safe space that is non-judgmental, that's non-shaming, where people can explore the difficulty and have someone affirm that for them and explore what the challenge actually is. We typically get really defensive when a family member says something to us and says, hey, you should look at that. And our response is instantaneous, like, don't tell me what to do because we have a history in those relationships. But with a therapist, you don't have a history. And there's something about having an outsider who can create a safe space to look at some things that you're, that you're struggling with um, that can create some connection again and help you problem solve in a different way. So that's essentially what therapy actually really is. Most people enjoy it. It's quite surprising. They're really nervous their first time. They have no idea what to expect. And they're kind of like worked up about it, which is really normal to be super nervous. And then after they're like, I actually really enjoy it. I love the idea of being able to come here, dump all the things that are happening in my brain, what I'm thinking about, how I'm feeling and not having anyone judge it, but help me kind of sift through the things that are happening. Um, and therapy is meant to give you some skills um, and some ways to manage life a little bit differently. So you're meant to go to therapy for short periods of time, not forever. It's not the old school Freudian where you're lying on a couch and you, you talk about your mother the entire time. That's not what we do anymore. Um, it's more about providing some skills and doing things for a short period of time. How to find somebody can be really, really difficult. I get it. It's really hard. Um, most people just go on Google <laughs> and do a quick little search. Um, and try to find something that aligns with them. So you want to be reading bios. Um, you want to spend some time reading about what the therapist says about their approach and who they work with. So if you're looking for someone who does couples therapy, you want to be looking for someone who specifically says, yes, I work with couples. If you're looking for someone to do like some trauma work or some childhood abuse stuff, and you want someone who says that's what they do. Therapists are typically really good at saying what they actually, who they work with and what their specialty is. And um, it's about sifting through and trying to find someone. I really encourage people to approach a first appointment as just a trial to see if it's a good fit. Fit is everything. Yeah. If you don't feel like it's a good fit, you, it's just, it's not going to work. It's no different than your industry. If it's yeah. not a really good fit, there isn't a connection, um, then it's just really not going to work. And that's totally fine. 
it, it, and sometimes you have to kind of try a few to find the right person, the right personality, the right connecting point, um, which people sometimes get a little frustrated about, but it's just part of the process because fit is everything. Not everyone's approach is going to work and not everyone's personality is going to work for you. So it's important to remember that you're just looking for the right fit. It's like the right shoe. Not yeah. every shoe is going to fit. Yeah. Not that mm -hmm. I'm a big shoe guy, but a little bit, <laughs> uh, but I totally agree. And, mm -hmm. and, and your relationship uh, to uh, relating it to our business is exactly what we talk to uh, um, prospective clients about is right. that uh, let's sit down, let's talk, let's get to know one mm -hmm. another. And we're, we're not the right fit for everybody. And so I and can, that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's and, actually better to know. It's almost better to like to know right off the bat if you're not a good fit. Yeah. And it's not personal, right? Like I don't take it personally. We don't take it personally. It's just, we just know we're not a right fit. Um, also the right fit can just be that it's not my specialty. Yeah. Right. It's not my area where I don't feel like, I don't feel like I can help because it's not my area of, of specialty and other people have other areas of specialty that are much more specific. Um, yeah. And that's okay too. Right. So it is a, a relationship. We're looking for a professional relationship and it needs to fit um, because we sell trust, right? Like you're, you're, your work is about trust. My work is all about trust and trust only builds when we feel compatible with each other. Um, and that's really, really important to, for people to know in therapy, they need to find someone they're compatible with. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the, I'll, I'll go back to your uh, uh, comment there uh, um, about uh, being able to help them. We talk about it is that we need to add value. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and if we don't, if we don't think so, sometimes clients uh, or potential clients want to become a client and we look mm -hmm. at the situation, uh, I guess, similar to what you're saying is, and maybe not, uh, they're looking for something we don't do. Uh, right. And so we will, um, refer them, mm -hmm. uh, to somebody say, this is probably more what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Why don't you go talk to this person? Uh, right. So uh, I'm sure that happens in, in your business. All the time. Uh, once while. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All the time. Because yeah. our, our, our goal is always to help. And if we can't help, then we're going to find someone who can help. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important for people to know. It's like, it's a business for sure. We all, you know, are in business for, to, to, you know, pay our mortgages and all the things. But at the core of what we do is about helping people. It's about providing a service that will help someone get to where they want to go. And it's in our heart that what we do is helping people get to where they want to go and to be well and to thrive. And if we're not the person, we're not the guide to do that, that's totally fine. And we will refer and find the right person to help someone thrive into the direction that they want to go into. Yep. And, and I think that's really important. Yeah. And then what that creates and how I found you was referral. Right. Uh, it a uh, a client of mine um, talked about how uh, how impressed she was in in dealing with you and how much help it has been. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was looking for somebody because I had talked to a, a few different uh, um, therapists and just. I, I didn't have that connection or I didn't feel they were the right person to bring mm -hmm. on to this uh, podcast. And, uh, and lo and behold, I end up with you and I think it's a great fit. So I think it's a great fit as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I would love for people to walk away, you know, feeling that, you know, they're not alone in whatever they're experiencing, or if they have someone in their life that is like struggling a little bit, they can say, you know what, they, like, you're not alone in all of this. And it has been a really hard couple of years and that they don't wait too long to access 
help. That's the other thing is most people wait till like their whole life blows up or there's a major crisis or people on the verge of divorce or something is like really crisis oriented. And then they, they contact counseling and they're like, I need an appointment today, which is not possible usually. Um, and everything's in crisis and early intervention is key. And it's when you're not feeling well, when your relationship feels a little bit off kilter, when co-parenting or parenting becomes a little bit more difficult, or you feel like you're kind of grasping to find the answer to something or the solution to a relationship conflict or an inner conflict, or you're, you're just feeling really like a little bit low, early intervention makes the biggest difference because um, with therapy, it can be a really quick fix. But when you're in the midst of crisis, there's so many things that are happening that the road to wellness can be a little bit longer. And some people get really frustrated with that. It's no different than don't wait till your car blows up, right? So if, if your check engine light is going on, you, we pay attention to it. We have our own check engine lights, our own things where we're like, ah, oh, I'm not sleeping as well. I'm not, I'm not as connected. I don't feel as compassionate. I feel really short with my temper. I'm really frustrated or I'm behaving in a way that's not typical of who I am and who I want to be. Ask for help then because it makes a tremendous amount of difference before relationships are destroyed. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. And uh, um, maybe just a couple of clarifications that I want to make on here is that we've talked a lot about COVID, but this just isn't about COVID. It no. just happens to be something that has accentuated uh, absolutely and, and magnified the mental health issues. Um, mm -hmm. but this is, this is every day and this is mm -hmm. something going forward. Even, even as we, uh, put COVID in the rear view mirror, many, <laughs> many miles behind us. Um, it, it's still something that we, we need to make sure that we're aware of. And mm -hmm. you, you did discuss, uh, and you said it can be very intimidating that first mm -hmm. step. Um, so maybe, uh, give us an idea. Is it only in-person counseling? Is it uh, Zoom? Is it um, sometimes people feel Zoom is maybe a little less threatening? Um, right. I, I, I'm not sure. It's more of a question. Yeah. People are doing different things. In my practice, we're 97% in-person. So we're only doing about 3% virtual. Um, and we did that on purpose um, because we find it to be more effective in person. And we're missing connection, yeah. right? So we've, as much as we're, COVID is not like a current issue, the impacts of it are still current. And I don't, I, I honestly think in the mental health world, we're not going to recover from the impact of the pandemic, probably for another five to 10 years, to be honest. Because um, the ripple effect, we're still like, it, for us in mental health, we're in the eye of the storm. So other industries are in different spaces, but for us, we are in the eye of the storm of it. And so some people like virtual um, because they're in distance and they don't want to come in and that's totally fine. But most people are actually seeking like face-to-face -face connection and we you know, follow all the safety protocols to do it. And that's really important. Some people, some counselors are just all virtual and they're not going back into the office and that those are the personal choice. So I think that people need to ask themselves, you know, how best do they connect with another person? If virtual works great. There's a lot of people who are used to, you know, working virtually and that, that makes it easy. But if you're someone who has really struggled a little bit with a virtual and don't find it easy to make connection over virtual, then in-person is probably best. And in our office, from the moment you, you connect with us, like we will hold your hand through the entire process. It is really easy. Our clients are constantly saying how easy the process has been. It's a quick email. 
We walk you through our intake process. We ask all the questions around insurance and all the things that maybe you need to figure out before you even come in. So when you come in, everything is dealt with. Um, it's a beautiful space and it's really, really comfortable for people, even with some anxiety. Um, it should be a really easy process. So if you're accessing someone or an office and it feels kind of difficult, then I would encourage you to not follow through and find someone else. It should be really easy um, and comfortable and friendly and warm uh, because if you already have that feeling of having a discomfort in the communication you had with someone through email, through phone, then chances are you're not going to feel a connection when you show up. It's all about that relationship relationship piece again, right? So um, sometimes virtual is easier, sometimes it's not, but most people want face-to-face -face from my experience. Yep. Well, that's, uh, I, I think that once again, kind of aligns with us. We, we do a lot of, uh, um, I shouldn't say a lot, we do virtual meetings, um, but even through COVID, um, what we found was exactly what you were talking mm -hmm. about. People actually went out of their way to come to mm -hmm. the office because they craved that interaction, uh, that right. that face to face or mask to mask. <laughs> it was uh, uh, it was an odd time, but uh, take the right precautions and give the the client the options. And mm -hmm. we we had higher percentage of in person uh, meetings. So. I totally understand. And, and my, my personal bias, which is, uh, uh, we try not to play in there is, is face to face. Um, it's my I, bias as well. Yeah. Like yeah. I find virtual sometimes in doing virtual therapy, sometimes it's like doing therapy with my hands behind my, like held behind my back because I'm missing proximity makes a difference. Like again, humans were created to live in, we're created to live in groups, right. In tribes and in community, we're meant to have proximity and to be able to read people's nonverbals and, and to share that energy of space. There's power in that energy of space. And even in emotion, like when people are heightened emotion, there's so much energy in the room and we can comfort and connect when we're face-to-face. -face. It's really hard to comfort and connect on video. Yeah, yeah. Well, Cecilia, I could go on and on. I have so many more questions for you, but uh, maybe we'll save that for another uh, episode and, and, and time. That'd be fantastic. Uh, uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to share all this with our viewers. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. So our next guest will be Bob Lawrence, founder of Veer Business Advisors. Bob will help us walk business owners through the five steps to take before selling your business. Don't miss this episode of the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. As you know, ultimately, our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience. If you have any topics that you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. If you could take a moment to post a review, it'd be much appreciated. If you would like to access other videos or podcasts or articles we've done, visit us at saunafamilyoffice.com. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, which is Swahili for thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sauna. That means thank you very much. The name represents the gratitude towards all the families and business owners who have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. Until next time, Asante Sauna. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sauna Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. 
Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.